1 John 4. We've been there the last few weeks and a wonderful book talking about our responsibility of love. And in the month here, you know, we've been talking about that, obviously looking at the love of Christ and how we love God. In the morning, we looked at our responsibility in love in 1 Corinthians 13. And so tonight, to kind of uh, bounce off of that a little bit more, looking at loving God properly. We started two, if you can remember, two weeks ago, looking at how to love God. And we'll see here this evening, 1 John uh, chapter 4, I think I told you, uh, chapter 4. If you would go down to verse 15 again, verse 15, we read a few weeks ago. But whosoever shall confess Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in him. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth not made is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Now, as we see here again, we'll continue tonight looking at that love is the foundation of Christianity. You know that. Christians demonstrating love to each other is emphasized over and over again, especially here in the book of 1 John. Now we see this, and we've been looking at the word perfect on Wednesday nights, but the word's used here in verse 17 again, and it stands out as a key word. It means to come to maturity. God wants us to mature in our love. We do this by first loving Him. We grow in the grace then that He gives to us. So how much does God love us is the question, and we find that very clear. John 17, 23 says, I and them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Again, wonderful passage in John 17 to read of Jesus Christ, what we call the high priestly prayer, uh, prayed. If you ever wonder how Jesus sounded or what he said in his prayers, go to John 17. Boy, it'll challenge you and really encourage you to think about how he prayed in earnest for them and not for himself. So we see here the Christian life, again, is a daily experience of growing in the love of God. We can know him better and better and sing through this. Now, there's a great need in this world today for mature Christian love. And four evidences are given in our text here to test our love to see if it's actually maturing. Okay, so let's see these, uh, gr these four evidences of our love. It's being tested now. The first part of it is being bold or what's called boldness as we see in verses 17 all the way through 19. He talks about the no fear. Boldness is freedom of speech. We're not afraid to speak to the Father. Now, very clear to us, we're to boldly come unto the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find what grace to help in time of need. And that word boldly does not mean pompous. It means with surety, right? Assurance, bold. I know whom I have believed, Paul said, and I'm persuaded he's able and you think about that as you mature in your faith, and I'm still not there yet. I'm still growing and maturing. But you think about it as you get closer and closer to the Lord and mature in that faith, you get more and more bold and without fear. I mean, just think about yourself a year ago or six years ago, ten years ago. I don't know. You didn't have a lot of boldness in your faith, I guess, to reach others. Or I was talking with a gentleman yesterday. And 
Again, I mentioned this already, but he said, I said, boy, I'm, I'm sure glad to see your unashamedness about the Lord to the people around you. And he said, you know what, Brother Tim, that's one thing that I'm kind of shocked about as well, is that I'm not ashamed to share the faith or to talk about Jesus Christ around people that I once would, you know, basically party with and other things like that. Very, very rough lifestyle. But he says, I'm not ashamed of that anymore. I, I want them to know how and what Jesus has done for me. That's a mark of maturity. And so the first evidence of our love for the Lord and the right kind of love that he's asking us to exemplify is that of boldness. We cannot uh, but speak the things, as the great apostle said. We're not afraid to speak for him to others. Boldness is very important when presenting the gospel. Acts 4, verse 13, listen to it. He says again, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I like that. <laughs> it started out with an insult. You know, You're ignorant, unlearned buffoons from the backside of the hill country of Nazareth, okay, from Galilee. Uh, there is no way that you could speak the way you're speaking in such eloquent nature. And he says, but they understood and they took knowledge they'd been with Jesus. Again, more time you spend with the Lord, it rubs off. You, know, you don't lie with dogs. Why? Because you get up, you'll have fleas. That's the old saying, right? You lie with dogs, you get fleas. Well, man, you spend time with the Lord, boy, you're going to be different, right? You are going to be different. The way you talk, the way you think, what you see, how you perceive stuff, and on and on we go. Okay, so the boldness is presented to us. He says that uh, uh, their threatenings grant unto thy servants with all boldness they may speak thy word. He says later in Acts 4, 29 and 31. So we see boldness is destroyed by fear. Fear will destroy our boldness. Notice what he says, fear hath torment. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out fear. You ever thought about that statement? Isn't that interesting? Perfect love, it casts out fear. Now think back when you were dating. You remember those days? Miss Stephanie, you remember those? Yeah, you guys remember those uh, those days? And uh, you were dating, and well, there was not, not a lot of fear. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I proclaim, proclaim my love for this person. And other people were going, you like who? <laughs> you like that? <laughs> my, my wife's family said, are you sure? Are you sure about <laughs> that? You know, uh, El Wedo is uh, not all uh, loco in la cabeza. And, you know, I said, yeah. And there's not a lot of fear, right? There's perfect love. There's a completed love, right? It casts out the fear. Well, well fear has torment. You know how that goes. Fear brings such an anxiety with us, a fearfulness of things. Perfect love, though, it casts that out. Now, John, or Paul, excuse me, says this to Timothy, as you recall. What's he say? Right? Not fear. Not giving us the spirit of fear, but of love, of boldness, if you will, of strength, of a sound mind. He goes through and talks about that as the rest of the chapter unfolds there in the book of 2 Timothy. But it, it brings torment. People fear judgment. People fear that. People uh, show that daily. They fear the judgment, but they don't even know what judgment. They don't know the God that is the supreme judge, but they fear some kind of judgment. And uh, I was listening to something recently, very fascinating, but somebody that was a first responder, I, th I believe was an EMT, made the, the comment. 
He says it's very interesting to hear people and what they say at the moment of, of a tragedy, of near death, of what they say. And do you know what they say? They don't call out to Allah or Buddha. Who do they call out to? Oh, my God. Well, what, what, are you talking, what God are you talking about? <laughs> they don't know the God, but they know there's a God. And again, that's the evidence of God that he's put something inside of us, right? the morality that we have. But it's fascinating to think about who they call out to, who they cry out to. It's a God. It's what we know as our God. And that's our duty as Christians is then to go a little bit further and show them the details of it. I know that you, well, there's a God out there. Well, let me tell you who he is. <laughs> let me show you the details. Okay, anyways, boldness. I pray you have boldness. Oh, I lack boldness so often in my life to be the type of Christian I should be, to share the faith like I should share it. Now, again, let's look at this in context and back up a little bit and look at the big picture here. You think about who wrote this book in John. Now, John wrote this. You understand who he was. John was the one that Jesus greatly loved. He loved all of them, but John showed a little bit more interest in the Lord and a little bit more of a, a close relationship and other things. And you think about John and what he went through. John was there at the foot of the cross, right? And a fascinating statements that were made. I I've been studying this recently, but Jesus in his most, the most worst time in his human life, an agony, betrayal, just foul, disgusting nature of the crucifixion. Just everything. You're, you're the most embarrassing you can think of. Not only was he naked and everything they did to him, but he was put up on a cross for everyone to see. I mean, just foul. He never once said anything about himself. Did you, did you notice that? He never once thought about, what did he say? He looked down and he said what? Woman, behold thy son, or here's your son, and here's your mother. Meaning to John, take care of my mom, take care of Mary. But everything he did, the thief looked over him. In one gospel account, it says both of them were reviling him. Get us down off the cross, you liar. You're no good. Well, then later it says what? One of them came to his senses and said, this is the Son of God. Right? And when he turned, Jesus didn't say, didn't just a few minutes ago you say? No, what's he say? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's exactly who the Lord is. Oh, and you think about this. Our love for him, and we should be portraying, it brings boldness it brings boldness to us. Um, we know that as it's appointed once to, a man wants to die after this, the judgment. People fear time. People fear judgment. People fear past, present, and future. Fear shows lack of maturity. We see in verse 18, there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear is made perfect. Uh, love, excuse me, I better read that right. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So boldness also not only destroyed by fear, but boldness comes as love matures. We need not fear the future. Fear the future. Uh, John 5 and 24 says, Verily I say unto you, He that heareth my word, believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now again, we read Ephesians chapter 2, another portion of Scripture, very, very fascinating to study. But he says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Okay, once you're saved, we believe at this church, <laughs> once you're saved, you're always saved. You say, well, what if I mess up, Brother Tim, and I did something really stupid? Okay, well, you come, as John says, we read this already, you come to him and confess. Right? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. doesn't mean you lost your salvation at some point. Amen? I'm so glad for that. 
The Holy Spirit seals us until the day of judgment. We're very clear on that. And we find out very clearly, we can go forward in our maturity with the boldness that we're supposed to uh, act out. We need not fear the future. We need not fear the present. John 3, 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned. Not condemned. We don't fear the present. We don't need to fear the past. More Christians are disabled and hampered because of their past. And they get so upset. And I don't know about you, but just the, the other day, some came up in my head, you know. And I thought, oh, yeah, I did really screw that up. Pardon my language, but I messed that one up, you know. And that's what the devil does, doesn't he? And the old flesh, the rotten old flesh, and the devil, what they do. Remember when, you, what are you trying to do, man? You're going to church, you're taking your family to church all of a sudden. What, you read your Bible now? You think you're spiritual? I know who you are. I know what you do. I know who, you, right? Doesn't he do that? Don't let him do that. You go ahead and say, uh, go on, go back where you came from. Okay? I know who in whom I have believed. And you plead to the Lord in that very moment. We've been looking at our Bible Institute in the book of James. Very fascinating. Right? We draw nigh to God. We resist the devil. Right? We literally say, I resist you. And what? he'll flee from us. Okay? So we're drawing nigh to Christ constantly. Looking at that boldness. We need not fear our past, present, and future. We leave it to Him. Hebrews 10, 17 says, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. No more. No more. All of that was poured out upon our Lord and Savior. Now we need not fear to present the gospel. As often, one of the hardest things to do is to present the gospel to another person. And they, uh, let's see here, Acts, uh, let me read Acts 18. Yeah, that's a good one. Acts 18, he says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak. Hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. No man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. He continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Now that context, again, remember, was that Paul was saying, man, Lord, nothing's working out here. I mean, that, nobody's receiving the gospel. You ever feel that way? You know, I'm trying to do right at work and live right and do right. and Boy, just constant problems. Every time I try to invite someone to church, they always say no. I try to present the gospel to someone, they don't care, give a hoot. You know, I don't care. I don't want nothing to do with that. And it gets a little bit redundant. It gets very hard. It gets boring. You get sick of getting doors slammed in your face sometimes. You know, you get tired of it. But in that context, the Lord comes to him in the night and says, what? Don't be afraid. Speak boldly. I have much people in this city. You remember what Elijah did? He got real discouraged. He was on the run from that wicked lady Jezebel. He said, Lord, oh, Lord, it's, all, it's only me. I'm the only one serving, Lord. God, you got it? And he said, and there's 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal yet. So <laughs> don't forget. Now, we got a group of us here tonight. Praise the Lord for that. Okay. But don't forget, we have hundreds of thousands of brethren around this world that meet just like we are. Believe the same. Hold to the same beliefs. Read the same Bible. Love the same Lord. Now, don't forget that, okay? As we think about, there's much people here. There's much people in this city that we ought to reach. Now, the boldness comes with it. The second evidence is the truthfulness. The truthfulness, verse 20, if, I, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. He that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Okay? There's truthfulness. We lie. We lie because of fear. The fear that comes. If any man, notice that, if any man say, uh, that's literally the seventh time that phrase is used. If any man say, 
in the book of 1 John. <laughs> if any man say, so we're getting to this. It's what man says. Now, we've got to be careful about that. Because what I say is one thing, but what God says. And that's what's going to get a lot of people in trouble on Judgment Day, isn't it? What I say. Lord, well, I thought. Well, I said. I, I assumed. You know. No, what did God say? That's what got the nation of Israel in trouble. Well, we think we should. They sent out that, uh, that committee of 12 to spy out the land. And they came back and said, well, we think in our eyes we're grasshoppers. Well, nobody ever said that to them, did they? Nobody ever believed that. In fact, when they came back through Jericho, what did Rahab tell them? We've been waiting for you. We've been scared to death for these years. We've heard of all that God's done. So we must understand something. We come back to say, I may think this about the situation, but you know what? Let me find out what God says about it. I think that people are talking about me behind my back, saying things about me or whatever. No, they may not be. When they were saying, whispering something over in the corner and they looked at you, they're probably planning your birthday party, okay? No, I don't. Just, to, just think that way. Anyway, okay. they're probably talking about you, yeah. But just assume it. They're, oh, they're pro- you, you all are planning something for me, aren't you? They're going to go, uh. <laughs> ignorance is bliss, isn't it? Yeah. Anyways, thanks for laughing at all my joke. You guys make me feel good. Okay. Truthfulness. Okay, let me hurry here. We tell the truth when our love is right. We know that. We do not try to impress people with our spirituality. People know us. They see right through it anyways. Don't try and impress them. We demonstrate our love to God by loving others and boldness toward God and truthfulness with others are two of the marks of maturity. And God is in, uh, God's love is being perfected in us. Okay, so truthfulness, boldness. Third one is obedience. Now, notice chapter 5. Chapter 5 right there in your Bible, verse 1, Whosoever believeth <coughs> that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone that loveth him, that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Uh, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Notice that. They're not grievous. They're not a pain to do. Not just obedience, but loving obedience. Boy, that's different, isn't it? Obedience is in three levels. Again, we said this last time, if you remember, but I obey because I have to. That's a child. Next level comes is that I obey because I need to, because I want something. That's a teenage stage. And then there's the third was that I obey because I love my father. That should be the adult or mature stage. You're not going to get something out of your parents, maybe, or something, but you just do it, right, because you're supposed to. Those obedience comes to. So, again, not just obedience, but then loving obedience. That's what he's coming to. They're not grievous for us. They're not agonizing is the word really used for us to do God's, uh, i got to do God's commands, got to do his will. I guess i got to go to church. I guess we could just go and just show up uh, and think about that. I guess I'll just read my Bible because I have to. No, it becomes in your maturity a love for that. Okay, obedience is joyful. Obedience is joyful if it is loving obedience. Okay, great illustration of that is Jonah. Uh, we don't need to turn there tonight, but Jonah is a great example. You know the story. Jonah disobeyed God. The storm and fish obeyed God to help Jonah. Jonah obeyed reluctantly. The plant and worm obeyed God to help Jonah. And Jonah was not happy because of a reluctant obedience. Okay, I don't know if you got all that, but... <laughs> You think about that, that, that 
how it went down. Now, Jonah didn't really get to know the Lord until he was in the well at the bottom of the ocean. And sometimes that happens, isn't it? And we see problems and issues like that and go, man, Lord, why? Well, maybe the Lord's trying to get our attention in something. And again, easy to say, hard to do. But you think about the situation. So obedience is joyful if it's a loving obedience, a kind of obedience it brought about. Obedience is a family matter. We're serving and loving uh, the Father by helping the brethren. We have the proper attitude toward the Bible. It's not burdensome, but we see it as a love letter. Again, remember that. A love letter written to us. You know what the Bible stands for? The B-I-B-L-E? Basic instructions before leaving earth. You ever heard that before? Isn't that good? I love that. Basic instructions before leaving earth. I want to know what to do before I leave this earth. And you think about it. It's a love letter written to us. Now, Paul wrote love letters to the churches. Now, they didn't receive it as love letters all the time. <laughs> You're going to get a letter here real soon. Have you seen that meme? <laughs> if, our, if, the church, if Paul was around today, our church would be getting a letter. Okay. You'd be getting, what in the world have you been doing? What have you been doing? And you think about it. It's a love letter to us. It brings to us a, uh, a love that causes us to want to be obedient. We have the proper attitude towards sin. We know sin ruins our fellowship with the Lord. Sin ruins our fellowship with fellow believers. Sin ruins our joy. And we see that. Okay, then the fourth evidence, notice this, is victory. We have boldness, truthfulness, obedience, and victory. Notice chapter 5 and verse 4. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. What is it? It's our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And this is the Spirit, beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. So the victory, the victory. We live in a real world and face real enemies and real obstacles. It's not easy to obey God. It's not always easy to be a Christian. People say it's easy being a Christian. They don't know what it's like. They're probably not a Christian. And uh, you think about it, it's, very, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to be a Christian. It takes guts. I mean, it takes a lot of guts. It takes boldness. It takes a, a great uh, strength. It takes a lot of endurance to be a Christian. And we know that. And I want to encourage you to keep going, okay? Keep going. And don't quit. You've got to take a break. Take a break, okay? Rest a little bit. But don't quit, as that old poem goes. Don't quit. So we see here, the victory given to us. It is easy to drift and to do our own thing. But we can have victory over the world because victory is a matter of faith. We must believe God and act upon what He says, okay? Now what's the victory? It's the faith. You put your faith in God. Like this morning we said, it's not a feeling. Well, I'll wait till I get a fuzzy feeling. No, no. There's a lot going on right now in the news about some revivals going on. Uh, in particular, over in the east, east of our country and some in the south, but there's some revivals going on. And I, and I pray they're legitimate. I really do. But a lot of it comes back to feelings. You know, oh, I feel so good about I feel. Be careful about that. It's not feelings. Come back to see what the Word of God says. What we do is we put our faith in that. The Lord says me, for me to do this, okay. I don't feel like doing it, but if it pleases the Lord and He's commanded me to do it, I'll do it. But it's going to take faith because we ain't going to do it on our own you got to reach out by faith. Okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm scared. I'm fearful. I don't know if it'll work out, but I'm going to do it. You commanded it. By the way, with every command, 
every promise, everything God's given to us to do, every instruction in this book, God says, if I've commanded you to do it, I'll take care of you. Okay, I'm going to help you through it. I'm not going to leave you high and dry. God is never like that. He's an honest God. He's a just God. Very clear. Very clear. Okay? So it's a matter of faith. We must believe God. Now, what do we do? Well, we know we're born of God. We have His nature and we have His name. Verse 4 there. We have His nature and His name. Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. We're born of God. Now, something very interesting about this, and I'll wrap it up here, but when you get saved, you take the name of Christ or the name of God. You become a part of the family of God. We sing a song. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Well, you become a part of the family of God. And when you do, you represent the Lord. And that carries with it a great responsibility. Okay? Great. Again, the old saying goes, and I've said it many times, but heavy is the crown. That we, it's heavy. Yes, the responsibilities are heavy. We know that, okay? Got to watch what I say. Got to watch where I go. Got to be careful what we see at home and watch at home and what I say. All of that. But you got to remember, you're still wearing a crown. Not many people get to wear a crown. You're part of the family of God. And the Bible says we're heirs and joint heirs with Christ, okay? So we're born of God. When you're born, you're something different. Ought to change you. As he talks about, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. As he says in verse 5, We whoso is, uh, who is he that overcometh the world, he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Very clearly. Now again, a mark of the deity. In this time when John was writing, there was a great knock and a great uh, uh, push against the deity of Jesus Christ. Okay? A lot of that still today. They didn't believe who Jesus was. And so he says, you must understand, you must believe, and whoso believes that Jesus is the Son of God, he's born of God. He's a part of the family of God. Very interesting, the JWs, Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, uh, ran into a group of Mormons the other day in, uh, in town. And uh, you think about that, that they believe, and they won't say it to your face, but they deny who Jesus is. They don't believe he's the Son of God. They believe he's a good teacher, and they believe a lot of other things about him, but they don't believe that. Okay? Now, clearly seeing this, you can't get through this Bible without seeing that every one of these writers of these books, these 66 books of the Bible, all of them exalt the name of Christ, especially in the New Testament. The Old Testament, they exalt the coming Messiah. And so thinking through this, this is where we are. Okay, so we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We are in Him. We have authority in Him, and we do not have to submit to the enemies. Oh, I like that. We do not have to submit to the enemies, and we carry with it. Now, one president once said, you know, speak softly, but carry a big stick, you know, and uh, let people know where you are. And you think about this, we have boldness in Him, and we should. We have truthfulness in Him, we have obedience in Him, and we have victory, victory. This all comes back to our relationship with Him and loving God properly and loving it. Now, I know I'm preaching tonight to those of you that know this, but again, just a good reminder that we see we submit ourselves to Christ and we do not have to submit ourselves to the enemy. Oh, I get so irritated when I see good godly people submit themselves to the world or submit themselves back over to the, to the adversary. They give their marriages back over to the world because it gets too tough. They give their kids over to the world by way of neglect, of not sharing and preaching and teaching and believing the word at home, and so on and so forth, myself especially. And they give over to the enemy. 
Now we must be careful. So again, are we maturing in the love of God? Uh, you will have boldness. You'll have honesty. You'll have joyfulness in you. And ultimately, you have obedience, which brings victory in your life. Victory. You obey this book and obey the commands of the Lord, you will have victory. Paul says, we have the victory. That's right now. As we speak, we have victory. And one day we get our reward for that. We do. We get our reward. And we get to stand there and we'll bow at the feet of Christ and we'll cast our crowns at His feet in a great show of worship and adoration in that coming day. But while we're here on this earth, we're to be obedient to Him and love the Lord. Love the Lord the way that He's commanded us to do so. Okay, well, I'll stop there tonight to think about that. Are we loving the Lord the way we should? And I know myself can much improvement could be there in that category. All righty. Well, we'll stop there. Again, uh, Lord willing, we'll see you on Wednesday evening. If you can make it back, love to have you. And continue this week to invite friends and family and others around you to our services. And uh, let them know that we're here. Amen. All right. Well, Lord, thank you for this evening again for the opportunity here. Looked at many verses tonight, many things said. I, I pray that, Lord, you'd help some of this to stick. Lord, we've, we've heard a lot today from the Word, but help us to bring to our attention, bring to our remembrance, Lord, something that was said today that would help us to be a better Christian, to be and draw closer to you, especially to love you like we should. With that love, we see some things tonight that we can have that you give to us. What a joy. What a blessing. Help us this week. Be with our families. Help and guide us, Lord. Put a hedge about us. Protect all of us as we go out right now into this world as the adversary is waiting to do something and throw something at us. And we know we have the victory in you. We pray you'd strengthen us now. In Jesus' precious name, we pray amen and amen.